Welcome to Rising Stars. I'm Miriam Knight, and my guest today is Sherry Lane, a diplomate of acupuncture and president of Eastern Medical Arts. Now, acupuncture is one of the essential elements of Oriental medicine and the oldest, most commonly used medical procedure in the world. Sherry has been in practice for 30 years as an acupuncturist and has written a book called Living the Energy Connection that illuminates and demystifies the art of acupuncture and ancient Chinese medicine, explaining natural energy and how it works, why you want it in your life, and how you can cultivate your own powerful life force called qi. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Miriam. Sherry, tell us how the principles of acupuncture were discovered 5,000 years ago in China. When the natives were warring, what they noticed after a day of coming home fighting, and they would have sword marks on their body and spear marks, they noticed that some of their chronic diseases were starting to heal. And then the elders of the tribe and the doctors started to look at corresponding areas on the body that these puncture wounds caused in order for the natives and the warriors to start to feel better. And they put together a system based on puncture wounds and the vibrational channels that they connected to on certain areas of the body. And that's how they figured out that there's something to making a motion in the body that healed and balanced their bodies out. When I read that in your book, I, I was just absolutely astonished. I had no idea, but it's, it's fascinating to, to think about that as the origin of acupuncture. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, considering that it started with swords and spears, and now it's these tiny little needles. So tell us what drew you to energy medicine in general as a profession. You know, I was always interested as a child in herbs, and I always wanted to be a doctor, and I used to play doctor. And what I did when I was a child is I would have all of our neighbors come over, and we would build forts, and my fort would be a clinic fort. And I would lay down my mother's sheets in all in a row, and I would collect cactus needles in little sucrets tins and I would give all of my patients shots all over their body with these little needles. And then my brothers built little shelves for me with bricks and wood. And I would collect, oh, branches and bark and different flowers in little mayonnaise and mustard jars and label the jars. And I would make medicines for people. Fast forward to 25 years later. And my daughter was in an accident. And I was doing everything I could to find out something to help her naturally. And I made my way into an acupuncture clinic and I walked into an herbal room and I saw all of these jars on the shelf that looked like glass jars that could have been my mayonnaise and mustard jars with labels on them filled with different herbs. And it was like I had already lived that experience. Wow. So you set out to study it yourself. You, I you... set out to study it myself. It felt like it was something that I needed to do. It was a path that I was led to. When I was a child, from the ages of around maybe 8 to 12, I would lay down and go to sleep. And instead of like one would chant an ohm, 
my chant was these numbers would roll through my mind, like 1, 16, 44, 2, 12. It would go on for hours some nights, some nights not as long. And when I got into acupuncture college, the way you memorize points on, on the body is all by numbers. And it's like I had lived, all the meridians are numbered. So you, you memorize a meridian 2, 13, 26, 4, 11, 44, 45, and you memorize treatment prescriptions all by their numbers. And it's when I had first seen that, I had already lived that experience for four years as a child every night in my mind. Wow. It was pretty interesting. So you kind of got the message that this was what you were meant to be doing. It really was because I, I wanted to be a doctor, but for circ- life circumstances, I couldn't give it that much time. It's a 12-year study. So I kind of turned myself around and now I'm a wonderful doctor. It's just a different kind of doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, I think most people get the general idea that acupuncture involves the placement of needles along energy pathways. But how it works is really a bit of a mystery. So your book sets out to illuminate that mystery. Can you give us a kind of general introduction? Well, as you said, the body is lined with energetic pathways. The oriental philosophy is that every one of those pathways has an electromagnetic force field. Let me say that again. An electromagnetic force field. So your body is a walking vibrational force field. And all of the electromagnetic areas on your body are lined and illuminated. And all of these areas go to all the organs, all the blood, all the cells. Everything that's going on, the brain in your body is an illuminating force field. When one introduces the needles to the body, they're metal. So they conduct their own electromagnetic force field. And when we put them in the body, they act as a magnet and they change the way the energetic force field on your body moves, and they literally change it and bring the energy like a river to realign and reflow itself. Now, you study the, the meridians and, and which uh, points govern which issues. I'm just curious, how much... Does your intent play a role in uh, both how you treat the patient and the effectiveness of the treatment? I think that's, that's a really great question. And I think your intention is very important because, you know, when somebody walks in the door, you, your intent is already on helping them see for themselves what they need to do to balance their body. And when I say that all healing happens within the person, they heal themselves, I just guide them down the road. Now, while I do put the needles in, my intent is to help them balance themselves. And while I am balancing their electromagnetic fields, and while the change is happening, whether they believe it or not, what they do when they leave, and their intent is theirs, but my intention to help them balance themselves is very important. And, you know, sometimes you can do that with just two needles. You don't need to have 15 or 20 needles. You can do whatever you need to do. If you understand the patient and your intent is to support them on their path, you can do that with very, very little work. It's almost like um, the homeopathic school of medicine where you try to understand your patient in depth 
and then you come up with the single remedy that should treat that whole complex of issues. Well, the, the difference between the homeopathic re- remedy and the acupuncture remedy is we do understand and we do look for the in-depth and we do that through a process of examination where the homeopathic will look at the skin tone, the color of the skin, and ask many questions. We ask many, many questions, but we're also palpating the abdomen, asking to see the tongue, taking the pulses, and then we can formulate through all of the information that we have and be able to give the person the treatment that they need. But they are somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. So would you say that acupuncture is a more sort of medical expression? I think uh, so. I think acupuncture is it's definitely more of a medical expression. Although, you, you know, you don't want to second-guess the homeopathics because, you know, the, the nature itself and its healing is very, very profound. And a good homeopathist can very much put someone on their path towards their own healing experience for sure. But, you know, we are definitely using, a, you know, an involvement with another procedure where the homeopath is just going to give you the, the flower essence to help you heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, both my husband and I have tried acupuncture. Uh, my husband responded very well to it. He had shingles that were excruciatingly painful. And really, um, acupuncture was the only thing that gave him significant relief. Um, I had uh, hip issues, went to every kind of practitioner on the face of the planet, including acupuncture and even moxibustion and everything, and I didn't really respond very well. So is it individual? I mean, what, what causes an individual to respond or not respond, do you think? Okay, so here's the thing about your hip issue. Did your hip issue end up having, having to have surgery for a hip replacement? Yep. Okay, so here's the thing about that. Usually acupuncture will help move the energy, bring new blood and oxygen to the area, heal some structural misalignments. But when one needs a surgical procedure, acupuncture really will not help you heal that wound or that area until the procedure has ended because it's broken. It's completely broken. It's like if you break your leg and, you know, your hip not working anymore, it's not going to get better until it's fixed. And acupuncture won't fix that. It really won't. If your leg is broken, you need to get your leg repaired. You need to get the bone set. Then we can do the acupuncture to help with the healing and moving forward. So that's why I like to say acupuncture is very much an integrative medicine. It integrates with the allopathic field. It integrates with the healthy lifestyle. It's part of your experience, but it's not the whole experience. Well, I can certainly resonate with that. Um, And I must say that that hip surgery uh, made me feel a lot more accommodating towards allopathic medicine than I had been previously. Oh, yes. You know, I I tell my patients, if your leg is broken, you go straight to the hospital. You don't go to the acupuncturist. You go to the hospital, you get your leg set, then you come to your acupuncturist. Absolutely. Well, that's the signal for our break. Uh, We're speaking with Sherry Lane about her book, Living the Energy Connection. We'll be right back. A more conscious lifestyle to your world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. 
Sherry, can you tell us what your website is? It's www.balancedenergy.com. So you use, you actually coined this term, energy. How is that uh, different from the traditional concept of chi? Well, chi is the life force that we all radiate every day, all the time. We all have chi cursing through our body. Without chi, we have no life. The term energy that I coined is what we do with that chi when we live the life that we live, how we sleep, how we eat, how we relax, how we exercise, how we think. The, the surroundings that we live in all contribute to an energy that feeds us and brings us out into the world at large. And then what we do is we radiate that energy based on our thought and our life. So it's like energy is the, well, chi is the definition and energy is the supply? The essence. Energy would be the essence of how one lives their lives and how they vibrate that out into the world. As I said before, we're all a vibrating energetic force field. Sometimes that force field is weak. Sometimes that force field is powerful. The energy is the vibration that we give off through the choices that we make in our life and through the way that we live our life. And that's what we radiate out out into the world and what we live with within ourselves. So what are the elements that, or in, in our life, that either build up or tear down the chi? Well, I think the way we live our life, the way we eat, the way we sleep, the way we communicate, the way we meditate, the way we exercise, the way we talk with others, and surroundings that we live in. So it would be emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual, mental, and, emo- and, and as I said, emotional. I think people understand intuitively that good food, good water, etc., will build up your health, your energy. But probably things like uh, surroundings and emotional relationships are less intuitive. How do they affect us? Well, we all know when we walk into a place that's cloudy or dark and it's not clean or it's not kept, we all have a certain feeling that we get. That's an energy that we feel. And if you live in an energy that doesn't make you feel empowered and thought, thoughtful and if you're uncomfortable in your surroundings, that contributes to how you feel within yourself and what you take out into the world around you. The same thing is going to happen if you're surrounding yourself in relationships that aren't harmonious, that don't bring you love and understanding and a sense of power, empowerment and self. It's those types of things that contribute to what's going on inside of your internal mind so that when you go out into the world externally, you bring that with you. You carry it. Uh, If you remember the Charles Schwartz, the Linus and the Piglet, remember Pigpen used to carry a little trail behind him of his dirt. And that's kind of what it's like when you're not living in a vibrational force field that's very, very high. You carry that little trail with you wherever you go. And that's part of the energy essence. That's a pretty, excuse me, pretty graphic um, illustration uh, to, to keep in mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Pigpen and his, his little cloud of dust. Exactly. 
Very good. Now, you have other qualifications. I, I believe you're a nutritional therapist as well? Yes. I, I always study what people are eating and drinking and what they're taking into their body as far as their nutrients, vitamins, herbs, because I think that's all part of a, a balanced lifestyle and, and bringing equilibrium into your life. Because I noticed in the case studies that you describe in your book that, uh, by and large, the advice that you give your clients is um, uh, deals with lifestyle changes, so it's not, not only treating the energy field. Um, well, so, you know, when we talk about lifestyle changes, it's all part of the energy field. As I said, they're all part of what your vibrational force field is. So I'm going to ask and I'm going to wonder what you're doing nutritionally that will make you healthy and, and give you the power that you need out in the world to be the very best that you can be. I liken food to what you feed, uh, feeding a plant. If you think of yourself as the plant, what kind of nutrients are you giving yourself. If you had a plant in your house, what are you doing to feed it and nurture it so that it can be as beautiful and shiny and bring its blooms to the surface? I think that goes back to something that, particularly in New Age circles, we say very frequently, that thought is energy. Absolutely. And, and food thought, is energy too, right? Right. It's just a different form of energy. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I think it was, uh, what's her name? There's a, a doctor, medical, Russian medical doctor, who wrote a book about the diet for cancer uh, using flaxseed and uh, uh, like cheese uh, combination. And she was saying that the flaxseed actually is just uh, one of the best ways of capturing sunlight energy and bringing it into the body because it's really a transport system for the, the big source of energy in the universe. And our thoughts are a similar transport system of getting that energy into our bodies and um, giving them life or, or damping them down. Now, when you use the acupuncture needles, you're talking about balance. So that means that we have either too much or too little energy in certain places. How do you actually determine what the pathology is and how to deal with it? Well, that's a really great question. And let me just go back, make one comment on what you were saying about the cancer diet. What the doctor is talking about is vibrational medicine and going saying that the flexies bring the sunlight in. So she's using food as vibration in the body. And that's a lot about what I talk about when I talk about nutrition, is we're using plants and vegetables and healthy eating, proteins, nuts, oils, as part of that vibrational healing medicine. And that goes to what you're asking me a question about, how do I know when energy is stuck, when we have too much or too little, it's all about that vibration of where the chi moves and how the chi moves. And the way I figure that out is first looking at the patient, and then I will talk with them about everything that's going on in their body from, I like to say, from soup to nuts. 
we start at the bottom or the top and we move down to the bottom and then I look at their tongue and I can tell a lot about what's going on in their, someone's body by the color and the shape and the texture and the dampness or the dryness or the marks and the demarcations on the tongue. And then I will oftentimes put my hands on their abdomen and I can tell a lot by feeling the temperature of the abdomen the tensile strength of the abdomen and then I'll look at the pulse points on the body and each side of the arm has six different pulses and I will palpate those pulses deep light and I will feel what those pulses are and I, from that I can determine exactly where energy is in their body where it needs to go and how I need to get it there wow uh, yes, I've seen the, the or experienced uh, the, the taking of the Chinese pulses, and that's so much more um, in-depth than the normal just counting the number of beats per second. Uh, in, in fact, how do you distinguish between the different pulses? Well, one side of the arm has the internal organs, the yin organs, and the other side of the arm has the yang organs. And the yin organs of the body, which are the deep, the depth, the intuitive, the more, the wet organs, so to speak, those are the deeper pulses. The yang organs, which are the fire, the essence, the, the brightness, the light, those are the topmost. And I can distinguish through years of experience and learning exactly what's happening in every single one of those pulse points through every organ. And every organ has its paired organ. We have a yin and yang for every organ in the body. And through touching those pulse points, I can see what every single one of those organs is doing and what their vibrational force field is and whether strength and weaknesses are, where they're moving and where they're not moving. Uh, explain the... Uh, difference between yin and yang? Well, yin and yang are polar opposites in the body. We will say yin always becomes yang and yang always becomes yin. So if we say darkness becomes light and light becomes darkness. The yin is the dark. It's the quiet. It's the intuitive. It's the essence of quiet power. It's the wetness. It's the mist in the morning. It's the quiet thought and understanding of action that needs to happen. Yang is the sun. It's the brightness. It's the busy experience. It's the doing to the thinking. So every organ has its paired experience, just as all of us have yin and yang aspects to us in every way, just as all of our life has yin and yang aspects to it in every way. Well, we can't do one without the other. And that's reflected in the symbol of the Tao. Exactly. If you think of the symbol of the Tao, you see the curve. You see one side of the curve is dark, one side of the curve is light. But you also notice within that curve, there's a, there's a dot of darkness in the light and a, light, a dot of light in the darkness because yin and yang are always in each other and one is always becoming the other. I've also heard them referred to as more masculine and feminine energies. Exactly. The yin would be the more feminine energy because that's the thought, the quietness, the intuitive, the more feminine, where yang is the more masculine. It's fiery. It's hot. It's movement. It's the strength of the power. 
And that's a yang energy. It's the male aspect. And if you remember the symbol, as you said, that there's the dot of the opposite color on each side, uh, it also refers to the fact that all of our energies are a combination of the two. Absolutely. We all have yang in us. We all have a male aspect of us and we all have a feminine aspect of it. Just as our every organ in our body and every system in our body also has the male and the female. So, ah, there's the uh, bottom of the hour. So we're going to have to take another break. Um, just to remind you, we're speaking with Sherry Lane about living the energy connection and her website is balanceenergy.com. We'll be right back. Sherry's website is balanced with a D, balancedenergyqi.com. Sherry, we were talking about the uh, yin and yang and the Tao uh, in Oriental medicine. One of the other aspects of Oriental medicine is the use of elements, and you go into that in your book. How is that useful to you? Well, we all have all of the elements in our body. And so what we look at is where in your body are you more of one thing than another? If we talk about fire, earth, metal, water, wood, which are the five elements in Chinese medicine, most of us have three elements that we pretty much live from. We are a type. And those types pretty much determine how we live and what we do. Going back to what we were talking about, food is vibrational medicine. Food also has its own elements and its own principles and yin and yang aspects of food. And so if you're a certain type in your body, then you are best suited to eat a certain way that fulfills your body type according to the elements. And, you know, food also has, not only does it have its own vibration, but it also has its own yin and yang aspects. And so when we eat according to nature and we eat according to the colors of nature, we usually get the right types of element for our body according to the elements that we are just by eating naturally and from the foods that are in season in nature. Now, when you say eating with nature, obviously there are different uh, foods that come into season at different types of the year. Exactly. And would those be more uh, complementary to certain element types than others? And, And I think of these elements more as archetypes. Exactly. Exactly. And they would be more complementary. So just talking with you, I could see that you probably have a little bit more fire in your body than you have maybe, you're maybe more of a extra, you move a lot, you do a lot, you're busy, you're doing things all the time. And so for you, a balance in your body might not be to eat more fiery foods, but to eat more earth foods. And mm-hmm. that's what we do. We always look for the elements that balance out what it is you are and what you take out into the world. Now, a person who's more of an earth type, they're already feet planted very firmly on the ground and they're very they think a lot about what they're doing. They're very concise in their experience of life. And we're going to give those people a little bit more foods that 
give them more nutrients and give them a little bit more chi and a little bit more fire. And so what we do is we diagnose according to the elements and then we can also talk about the foods that work better for those people in those seasonal elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are there like uh, pairs of elements, complements, you know, kind of like a color wheel? Yes, there are. And they're also in our body, a, a element will work within its own element to balance itself out. Let's say the stomach and the large intestine are paired organs. The, are the lung and large intestine are paired elements. The spleen and the stomach are paired elements. The heart and the small intestine are paired elements. They work together synergistically, the yin and yang aspect to empower both of those elements to be stronger. So if you have, let's say you have a heart condition, does that mean that your small intestine is too strong or too weak or what? It it could be that. And it could also be that if I go opposite, I can also maybe sometimes balance the liver and the gallbladder to help the heart. And that will also work with the small intestine as well. Complicated. They all work work synergistically within each other. There's a a control and nourish cycle in, in the Chinese medical chart. And we can oftentimes work to strengthen one organ by going with another organ in another family group. And so in your arsenal of um, knowledge, oh my goodness. (laughs) That's our our clinic dog. (laughs) Clinic dog upset today. She she has a, she's seeing somebody. Okay, does, does clinic dog do acupuncture with her teeth? No, but she actually works with all of the little patients. I treat a lot of children and young adults, and she comes and sits with them. When, she seems to intuitively know when they need support, uh-huh. and she comes and sits with them. It's really lovely, and they love her, and they sometimes just come to the clinic to visit her. So she just doesn't like radio, I take it. Yeah, she just doesn't like the UPS man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ah, uh, the life of a delivery man. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> so, um, getting back to the elements, um, when you deal with an imbalance, what are the kinds of therapies that you will bring to bear? I mean, it, do you use the the sort of image of of the organ uh, slash element as the core principle, and then you uh, come up with all these other therapies to support it? You know, honestly, Miriam, when I, when I work with a patient, I take into consideration everything that they're bringing, what their symptoms are, what their chief complaints are, what their body's doing, what their pulses are telling me, what their force field is, and then I decide right then and there where I'm going to go and treat them. It's always... I'm going to work to balance the organs, the yin and yang essence in the body and the chi in the body. Mm -hmm. But after that, we can go in and we can talk about nutrition and we can talk about meditation. Then I can talk about lifestyle and exercise and sexuality and psychological experiences. But we're always going to start with what's going on with them and move into all the other things that they need. You know, I have to say that um, when you contrast all of the 
uh, all of the knowledge and all of the care and concern and investigation and time and energy that you put into understanding a patient, I'm afraid that much of Western medicine does not kind of suffers by comparison because it's so much more superficial and based on objective blood tests and, and measurements that don't really get down into the, the very um, kind of uh, the whole spectrum of issues that a person might be dealing with. You know, it's, it, I, it, you know, in all fairness, allopathic medicine is getting better, but a doctor of oriental medicine will spend a lot of time understanding their patient. And that is one of the things that is stressed in our training. Not only am I going to understand my patient, but in order to help them elicit change, I need to understand everything about not only what's going on with them physically, but the mental, spiritual, emotional aspect of how they live their life and what's going on with them. Now, you know, if you come in with a hip problem, I might not go into in-depth like that, but we are going to talk about, you know, what you do for exercise, what you do for stretching, how you eat, what your nutrition's about, because we treat the whole person because we're working on the vibrational force field. And in order to understand that, I need to see you as that whole healthy vibrational force field. I would say that another difference that I'm uh, seeing between allopathic and, and integrative medicine is the time scale. Because when you deal with a patient, um, you're talking about seeing them over a course of time and seeing the effect of interventions of good nutrition, mm -hmm. exercise, uh, meditation, breathing, stretching, etc. Whereas in the allopathic model, and I do hope that it is changing, but you're looking at the symptom and dealing with the symptom and providing a quick fix. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. I have relationships with my patients. I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have been practicing for 30 years. I know these people so well. And what I'll do is I'll see them for a fix and then they'll go away with the tools that we've discussed and the tools that we've outlined for them. And, and I won't see them maybe again for a year, six months, two years. And then they'll come back with something else that's going on in their body. And then we'll work on fixing that or straightening that through. And then they'll come back another time. I'm treating people now that I used to see as babies and they're bringing me their babies. And it's pretty rewarding and pretty wonderful. And I know their histories. I know their families. I know what's going on because you, you have these relationships that are very, very real and very frank and very intimate. Sounds like the old-time family doctor. It really is the old-time family doctor. I, I even make house calls to some people because they can't come because maybe they're too ill or maybe they've just had a baby or, you know, Maybe they have an autoimmune disorder that prevents them from driving a car. And I will go to their house and I will make house calls to see these people. Oh, my God, a doctor that makes house calls. Where on earth are you located, Sherry? I have a practice in Del Mar, California, and I also have a practice in Santa Monica, California. So I go back and forth between my two little clinics. Well, you lucky people in Southern California. 
Yeah, it, it's pretty wonderful. It, it's a very, very rewarding field. It's, it's, pretty, it's very, very lovely to see people and make the changes in their body and watch them blossom and grow. And acupuncture is profound. It changes lives. It opens people up. It causes change in the body, in the mind. It, we work with drug addicts in my practice. I mean, it's incredible what acupuncture can do and how it can change lives and change awareness. I've seen people with these little things on their ear, you know, for stopping mm-hmm. smoking. Yes. Um, how does that work? Well, what happens is when you put these little pellets in the ear, they go right into the brain. And it elicits a... Oh, no, no, no. I think we should say that the, the energy of the pellet goes into the brain. Yeah, well, actually, it elicits the nerves to the vagus nerve in the vein, in the brain, go right into the ear. And you stimulate that fifth vagus nerve that goes right to the brain, and it starts pumping hormones into the body. And that's how we can help drug addicts stop craving heroin pills, alcohol, cigarettes even, because we stimulate that fifth vagus nerve and they get a feeling of satisfaction or satiety or calmness or relaxation through stimulating that point with a needle or with a pellet or with a little dot. Wow. Well, we'll... we'll Come back to that. Come back to that, indeed. We're speaking with Sherry Lane. Stay with us. We'll be back with our last segment. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. Your conscious connection to a more mindful world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Sherry, before the break, we were talking about how those little studs in the ear actually have a direct influence on the nervous system and uh, pipeline to the brain. Um, this sounds like it's... N- kind of straddling the line between physical medicine and energy medicine. Absolutely. They definitely integrate with each other. You can do a lot for a person who suffers for severe anxiety, withdrawal symptoms, bipolar experiences, nervousness, hyperactivity through working with auricular acupuncture. In fact, what they're doing now is in trauma as far as earthquakes they go uh, world, like the Haiti earthquakes or the tsunami, they go out and they set up a tent next to the Doctors Without Borders, and they're called Acupuncturists Without Borders. And they work with people doing nothing but auricular acupuncture to calm people that have had severe crises in their life. Is it true that the different organs are mapped out on the ear just as they are on the soles of the feet? Absolutely. The entire embryo system on our body, in our body, is mapped out on the, on the ear. So if you think about the embryo system being the head is at the earlobe, 
wrapping all the way around the spine is on the, the base of the ear. All of the organs, all of the musculars, the, cer- cerebral, the cervicals, the thoracics, the lumbars, everything is mapped into the ear. In fact, if I look at somebody's ear as part of my diagnosis, I can tell you when you suffered trauma in your life about the time of, of age you were and what, what exactly type of tra- trauma you had through looking at your ears. I can diagnose your whole body just by looking at your ear. <laughs> Does the ear have a pulse? Mm, it, well, you know, behind the ear you have a pulse, but the ear has a story. Wow. So give us an example. What, what are you looking for? Dense? You look, you can see demarcations, you can see coloring, you can look at somebody's ear, you can see little veins, you can see different colors. The ear, you can feel the softness or the strength of the ear. You can see little marks on the ear. There, the, as I said, the ear has a story. If, if I, I can tell you what's going on in your body and put needles in according to what your ear tells me. In fact, when I'm, when I'm talking with people and I'm not in the clinical setting, I have to really watch myself because I'm, I'm diagnosing them <laughs> by looking at how they move, you know, what they're wearing. We can diagnose by colors of the, what clothes they're wearing. I mean, there's just all kinds of observations. I was very, very fortunate to have a Chinese master that I studied with for over 20 years, he's um, now passed away. But he used to say, diagnosis starts the minute your patient gets out of the car and starts walking up to your clinic. When you see your patient, you start diagnosing them in that moment, the way they move, what they wear, and everything about them. I know you don't like the word holistic, but that truly is a holistic approach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we are watching you from the minute. I mean, I can see by the clothes that somebody's wearing and how they're carrying themselves, what's going on in their body when they walk in the door. Hmm. So um, you have developed a system called the LANE system, L-A-I-N-E. Tell us what that's about. Well, that's just about learning about integrating medicine and healthy lifestyle into your life. Learn, align, inform natural energy. It's about learning, aligning yourself with that learning, informing, learning all about it, and then talking about it with others. Natural, what you can do in your life that doesn't cost you anything other than your action, and the energy that you do will bring you a vibrational force field that you can take out into the world with you. Now, I really like this approach because... Too often we go to the doctor and we say, okay, fix me, instead of taking responsibility for learning about our bodies, learning about decent nutrition and our environment and what to avoid and what to include in our daily life. Absolutely, Miriam, 100%. And when you learn about what works for you, you align yourself with that learning. And there is nothing that anybody can say or do that can take you away from that alignment when you bring yourself into that vibrational force field that works best for you. Too often we are drawn to foods and drawn to experiences because of the influence of media of friends and so on instead of really focusing in on what our body wants on what we want our soul and our 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 um our our uh, happiness wants so you become aligned with your own vibrational force field 
the easier it is for you to choose that and stay in that power place. Now, one, I, of, one of the things that you advocate is meditation. Absolutely. What does that do for you? Well, you know, there's an old saying, and I don't know who said it, but they say prayer is for asking, meditation is for receiving. So what you do is when you're in a meditative state, you can slow everything down. When your mind is calm, it becomes a blank state for a receptive nature of understanding. Meditation is the yin. Meditation is the awareness. It's the quiet. It's the mist-filled morning. It's the deep essence of what it is to know without knowing. And when you become in a meditative state, miracles happen because when you live your life from a place of calmness and understanding, there's power there because you're a receptive conduit to a, a knowledge that comes from other places of higher thought, but also from yourself. And our intuition never, ever will steer us in the wrong direction. And when you're calm enough to understand, you can take that understanding and align yourself with that nurturing and go out and be an empowered force for yourself and for others. So much of our entertainment is really geared at distracting us, at keeping our mind elsewhere occupied. And too often we don't really know what to do with ourselves if we don't have this distraction. So meditation is something... Um, People need to learn to be with themselves. Yeah, and not only learn to be with themselves, but also learn to be with a higher consciousness of understanding about the world and the world at large without judging other people, but having a, a more of a wisdom around it. And, and you know, I always, I always like to say, a lot of people think meditation means, oh, I have to sit still, I have to be in an upright position that's uncomfortable. And I say, if you need to lay down to meditate, lay down to meditate. If you want to have music around you when you meditate, have music. If you want to do a breathing meditation where you have to fill up your belly and feel it go down, do that meditation. There's no right or wrong way. The way is that you're doing it. Find the way that works for you and then do it. Don't make excuses because it feels like, oh, I can't sit still for a half hour. Well, then don't sit still for a half hour. Lay in your bed 10 minutes before you get out of it or 10 minutes before you go to sleep and do it. Do what works for you, but just get into a mind frame where you're just going to allow yourself to quiet your brain and see what that feels like. Just taking time for ourselves, particularly for busy mothers, I remember... I, I would have to barricade myself in the bathroom to take a bath. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that taking that time for yourself is your gift to yourself. Absolutely. And for heaven's sakes, we do deserve it. Even, even the guys among us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you can meditate while you're exercising. Mm -hmm. You can meditate on your bicycle. You can meditate while you're taking a walk. You can be chanting. You can say... Uh, a mantra while you're exercising, while you're, you might not be still. Maybe that's the only time of the day that you have. So make that time an empowered, special time. So, Sherry, what piece of advice would you give your patients, uh, or in this case, our listeners? What is the most important thing that we can do for ourselves? I would say do your best all the time. And we all know what the best is. You know what the best thing is for you, 
And if you don't know what it is, figure it out and then do it. Get someone to support you. Do your best in the foods that you eat. Do your best in the exercise that you do. Do your very best in the meditative experience that you have. Do your best in communicating with those around you in the ones that you love. Do your very best for yourself sexually. Take care of yourself. Nurture yourself as you would a small child because that's where the love comes from. And as you love yourself and do your very best all the time, nothing can take you from your path. I believe from memory that do your best is one of the four agreements Absolutely. Don Miguel Ruiz. Absolutely. And when you do your best, you don't have to feel bad about anything else because you know in that moment that you've done your best. And tomorrow your best might change. And the very next day your best might change because we're changing all the time. Just like day becomes night and night becomes day and circumstances always change. But if you're doing your best in that moment, in that circumstance, you will never, ever feel that you haven't done enough. Sherry, that's absolutely wonderful advice, and I uh, commend your book, Living the Inner Chi Connection, to our listeners. Do you have any other books coming up? Well, I do have another book that I did write called The Inner Chi Connection. Living the Inner Chi Connection is my second book, and the third book might actually be a, a little bit differently. It might be more of a journaling-type book, a, a book of sayings, a, a book of manifestations. It's not here yet, and I can't say when it's coming, but it's something that's cooking up in my brain. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. Thanks. We've been speaking with Sherry Lane. Uh, her website is balancedenergy.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Miriam. Take care. You too. And hope you'll join us next week. In the meantime, visit our website, ncreview.com. I'm Miriam Knight. Have a wonderful week. Goodbye.